presence of God. Amen. Remember, prayer is legal. These matters are presented before God for the adjudication. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Remember these cases. You have prayed for Asanya and you have reclaimed it to God. You have prayed for your brother's faith. Amen. I am your defense. You are my defense in my faith. Amen. Endlessly content for your faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Now we're going to pray for our hearts. Amen. We're going to pray for our hearts. Amen. We're going to pray for our hearts. We're going to pray to the Father of Spirits that he should open up our hearts. Amen. To receive his word. Now we're going to break fellow ground. Amen. We're going to break fellow ground. And breaking fellow ground requires strength. Amen. Requires the tools of the Spirit. The only person that can give us these tools is the Spirit. Amen. To pray for our hearts. That our hearts may be flooded with light. Amen. Amen. That Christ may dwell in our hearts richly. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to break fellow ground for the word. According to Hosea 10, 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break your fellow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. Till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Amen. We're going to pray. Amen. Content for our hearts. That fellow ground may be broken. Amen. That our hearts may be flooded with light. Amen. The number one enemy of prosperity of the word is hardened hearts. But thank God we can pray for God to open up our hearts to receive according to his word. Therefore pray for your heart that the Father open your heart and its chambers to receive the engrafted word of God unto the saving of your souls. Ask the Lord to make your heart good ground for the word coming your way. This word through the seventh. Pray in the spirit with your focus on your spiritual receptors. Fully opening. Thank God for conducting an open survey on your heart and soul this morning. Amen. Your heart is good ground only when you pray for it. Amen. Say, Father, make my heart good ground. I break fellow ground for your word. That when the seed of your word comes into my heart, it may find me receptive that you may conduct an open survey of my heart. That my heart may overflow with your goodness and your mercy. That as your word comes to me, it may find root and be established in my heart. You pray to God to give you a palpable heart for his word. Amen. We're going to break fellow ground. We're going to break fellow ground. We're going to break fellow ground and the chambers of our hearts to be opened and our spiritual receptors to fully conduct the word. Amen. Not to insulate it. To conduct the word. Your heart to conduct your, the word of God. To be fit enough to conduct the word. Amen. Your spiritual receptors are conductors of the power of God. 
as the man of God speaks the word, he siphons the glory of God and your hearts are opened and your spiritual receptors conduct the power of God. Amen. We're going to pray. Break fellow ground. This is a matter presented before God for adjudication. Amen. My heart needs to be open. Make our hearts for you. Sebele come from the Saki and Shapati and Paratoko Sose, Shakta Kapadia, Mentoko Pratekapanse. We present these cases before you for adjudication and Sabatekapan and Tokapanti. And we call the witness of the Spirit and Tokapanti, the blood of Jesus Christ, to witness for us and Tokapanti. And so the witness of the blood, and then open up the chambers of our hearts and so to fully conduct your word and so pelida in another and Shapadipa Rakakatonsea and Pelipanto Kapande and Tapatea as spiritual receptors are fully opened. Man Senta Kapando and Tekaparitosa and Tosha and Tosha and Takaparitosea or Sukepatea as Kapadipa and Takapande. The chambers of our hearts and the Pandea are inundated with your word and Sentekapa in Tekapande. The light of your spirit is shining on our hearts and toka paritose and tose. Pray to God for an open survey of your heart and so of your soul and that your spirit may inundate your soul with the wisdom of God and the word of God. These legal matters are before God for his adjudication. The spirit witnesses for you. There is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty God grants him understanding. Ando, ah, your heart is flooded with the light of God. Ando kapasheya, ando kapasheya, your receptors are opened. And sekapatiya, God, open up our hearts. And sekapatika, and sekepelita, and nananosheya, ando kapali, and sekepeli, and sekeya, ando kapali, ando rakakakakoseya, ando seli, nananosha, and an open survey on your heart, on your mind, on your soul, and say that the Spirit may inundate your minds and souls with the Word of God, and say, flood us with light, and never flood the chambers of our hearts with light to receive your engrafted Word. Grant us understanding and take a part of your soul. Asha, 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 asha. 
Say to a poor person, let's meet at 12. Poor person will come in half past one. They don't care because they, they, they don't understand the value of time. Right? Because their time is not worth much. But when you get to a level where your time is worth thousands and millions, you begin to realize that there really isn't any time to waste. That's why. You don't find the rich waking any later than five. Most of them are up at four. They go to bed at eleven. Why? Because they had, they, 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 they tried to maximize as much time as possible. Solomon said a little sleep. He didn't say much sleep. He said a little sleep. When you compound, you know, we sleep half of our lives. Half of our lives we spend sleep. And imagine, if you're poor, you can't afford to sleep. Because you, you, you have little time. 
And the little time that you have, you have to make sacrifice. So when you, when, you, when you begin to grow in wisdom, in understanding really how the world functions, it, 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 it bears on you to begin understanding and prioritizing your time. Most of you wake up, right? There's no structure to it. Right? You just wake up. So one of our business. Right? Why? Because there's no structure. And and time has been given us to embody our, our, our plans, our objectives, our goals. When God created, let me ask you, when God created, the Bible says he created the world by his logos, right? Did, did he, did he have a plan to create the world? Did he have a, did, did God have a plan to create the world? Did he? He had, was that plan in his mind or was that plan written All of us agree that God had a plan to create the world, right? Before he created it, was that plan in his mind or, or, or was it written down before he created Did God write the plan to create after or before? Now I'm Did God plan to create the world, the universe? Was that plan a written down plan or a mental plan? Wonder if. Okay. Bob's in the beginning was word day is what? It's logos, right? We know logos is what? Okay. So, does God write before he does or he does and then he writes after? He's God. God. The, 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 the plan for creation was it, obviously, it was a concept of his mind. Right? But you must understand, when, when something is a concept, it's nothing. Right? It's abstract. Right? When something is written down, it is given a dimension. And you must understand, God works from the highest dimension to the lowest dimension. But if you understand three-dimensional living, you'll understand that for any plan to become a, a reality, it needs to leave the realm of thought, which is abstract. Right? There's no form in that dimension. It needs to leave it and it needs to be imprinted, to be given dimension. So when, when, when a person wants to build a house, they go to an architect, right? And you will give the architect your idea and then he will conceptualize it. 
once he conceptualizes it he will begin to draw right now that is giving dimension to what is abstract he says write the vision down so i'm asking what god was doing in genesis was was it from a mental blueprint or was it from a written blueprint So if you ever want to achieve anything, must it be here? Where must it be? Okay, your own life. Your own life. When God planned it, where did he keep it? Where did he store it? Yeah, in his mind. Where? Where? Jesus, Jesus. He said, I have come in the volume of what? Your mind, dear God. Yeah? I've come in the volume of your... Wow. Wow. So God does nothing until he writes it down. You see, he says it, he records it, and then he does it. He thinks it, imagines it, conceives it, writes it, and then he does it. So everything God does must have structure. The Bible says that God is not the God of confusion. So if you operate by confusion, you don't operate by God's enabling or God's empowerment. Because God is not the God of confusion. He does not author confusion. He, everything he's, he does has order. The Bible calls him the God of order. He is the God of order. Order referring to structure. Methodia. Methodology. God has methodologies. God has a system. Some people think that God is a puzzle in how he acts. That when God acts, it's just, it's, it's a puzzle. Whatever he feels that day, that's how he will roll. That's not how you become successful. That's not how you become great. Serena Williams, when they were born, when, when, when their mother was still pregnant with them, their father, Richard, had written a 21-point plan about everything they are going to be. He wrote every single thing they are going to be. He planned their entire life and they became it. Because it wasn't a puzzle. When your child be, start becoming wayward, you are surprised. What's happening? Because you, you, they were raised in an un, unstructured environment. They sleep at any time they want. They eat at any time they want. There, there's no structure to their lives. Right? Even when you monitor them for uh, studies and school, it, it's, it's a puzzle. Have you done your homework? Okay. You, you can't raise anybody for greatness. You can't. You can't. It's impossible. And it all starts with the appreciation of time value. 
8 is central. Hallelujah. So I, 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 hope, I hope you you find that message very, very uh, inspiring. We, we started teaching on the third foundation. And, I, and, and, and we, we spoke about prayer as a third foundation that would need to be a matter of concern to us. And we spoke about the legal and fellowship dimensions of prayer. And I, and I said to you, based on what Jesus said, not me, we're going to read it now. I said to you that prayer, prayer as a ministry, as an activity, is first legal. That means if you're going to be successful in your prayer life, in your prayer duty, you have to understand the legal aspect of prayer. The problem with many of us is that we approach prayer from a legal basis. I mean, from an emotional basis and not a legal basis. Because in our minds, we think that when we pray, God relates with our emotions. That God will have pity on us and answer us on the basis of our, of our emotions, how we feel. Right? If that's the case, why are so many people in Christianity confused? Why are many of us confused about the disparity we see, the distinction we see between how men in the scriptures prayed in the Bible and how they received answers and how you pray and the answers are not as forthcoming. And I will tell you this, many people in the church are not honest. Many people in the Christian world are not honest. They are superfluous. Because there are times you grow in life and you realize that it's important in order for you to progress, to find honesty and transparency. And to address issues that are of concern. And one of the major issues that we see in Christianity is, is unanswered prayers. A multitude of praying men and women who don't have answers to their prayers. And many in the pulpit because they have no answer. For those people whose lives do not reflect their work, their activity in their chambers. They have no answer. So we start creating superfluous ideas and concepts. But I've learned a long time ago that any and every question in life can be answered by the Word of God. I like things that work. I don't like things that don't work. I don't like it. And I don't like to pretend. Right? Like everything is good when it is not. 
I, I don't like to. But we have a multitude of pretenders in the body of Christ who pretend that God does it all for them. My God is great. Yeah, God is great. You? And it's because we do not understand God from the perspective of His Word. We understand Him from the perspective of preachers and ministers. And that's a problem. Right? Because for a vast majority of ministers, we are very opinionated. Right? We have our opinions. Because sometimes God's Word does not fit the culture. It is anti what is practiced in culture. And because we don't want to sound like we cannot relate, we formulate opinions. I once heard a man of God say, I used to believe, he said, a great man of God, and a man of God was great popular, he says, he, he used to believe that men must not divorce. He used to believe that. Until he began seeing and counseling people. Now, what counseling have to do with the word of God? He says, now I'm more relaxed on this issue. Now, what counseling people, what people go through have to do with the fact that God, God's word does not change. You see many preachers today on their stance on homosexuality. Um, 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 well, I believe God, 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 God. God, 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 God is love. God, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for that thing. So many of, of Christians, many Christians live off the tailwind of, of the opinion-based doctrines of God's servant. But when you begin to look and study the scriptures, you realize that some of the, the things we do is nonsense. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. So, when it comes to prayer, we, we are very uh, animated. Right? Because we feel like it is animation that gets the job done. But then you, you start reading the Bible on how men like Abraham, men like Moses pray. And you hear what, what we are being told today from the pulpit on how we should pray. You start realizing that yeah, something is wrong. Right? How when, when, when you, you, you must pray, you must wear a shawl. Right? You must wear a shawl to traverse the realms or, or you must skew your mouth. Right? Or you must skew your mouth to be deep. 
right? And, and, and if you don't do that, right? If somebody is, 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 doesn't pray like Mpo, right? And they're praying like, like you're dry. Right? You're dry. That one is dry. Because the man clear drowned the leader. As if God answers us on the basis of the shape of our mouth when we pray. Or the tonality of our voice when we pray. So you talk like this, and then when you start praying, you go like wrong Paringo Santo Colitrando. There's no foundation. Because true prayer comprises of two elements. True prayer. True prayer comprises of two elements. The element first of the word, second of the spirit. Because in the order of God, this, the, the word does not follow the spirit. The spirit follows the word. That is why the word of God in, 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 even though the Godhead is called equal, but the word of God comes before the spirit. Just as the father comes before the word. You understand that? Because the Father is, is the one from whom the Spirit, the Word and the Spirit proceed. So the entire Godhead really is an expression of the Word and the Spirit. But the Spirit follows the Word. So in the order of the modus operandi of God, the Spirit must wait for the Word. That's why you never find the spirit doing anything ahead of the word. So, so everything that is going to be successful spiritually must first begin with the word of God. There needs to be a, an appraiser of the word of God in everything we do toward the Lord. Because without the word, the spirit cannot operate with total freedom. Which means that it is, it is not the order of the spirit, but that of the word that is followed. So when it comes to prayer, it's, it's important that we read educate God's people on how to pray and how to have a successful prayer discipline. Because a successful prayer discipline has nothing to do with how spiritual you are if you lack the word. So there's a skill in the word of God that is needed in the body of Christ. And that is the skill of the word in prayer. Because if you are not skillful in the word, you can't be skillful in the spirit. You cannot be effective in the kingdom. 
Let's read what the Lord Jesus Christ says in Luke chapter 18. Verse 1. Can we read? Let's read, please. Then he spoke. Yep. The man always spoke. Man, he spoke a. What was the parable depicting? The fact that man should always pray. Man should always pray and not give up. Man, man, if you are a man, he says, your life must be embodied with praying. If you are a man. Now, I, 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 we asked two questions last week, right? We asked the first question, why should man always pray? Right? Why should man always pray? And you gave your answers, right? Fellowship and so forth, right? And we asked, what is prayer? Right? And we all gave our answers. We said, prayer is fellowship with God, communication with God, and so forth, right? But I said to you that prayer and praying has a lot to do with legal activity. That if, if we truly want to understand praying, we need to understand it from its legal dimensions. Because if we ought to pray always, we must understand the, the nature of the one whom we are praying to. And we established that uh, last week that God is a father, but God is also a judge. Right? God is also a judge who administers justice. Uh, can a judge judge a king? Yeah? Can a judge judge a king? Can a judge judge a priest? Can a judge judge a prophet? Can a judge judge a pastor? irrespective of rank and title and office irrespective of all that right judiciary is at the helm of the stability of any nation and government that means the executive and legislator are all submissive to judicial and, 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 and each arm of government operates as a single entity but the judiciary is at the highest because it, it, it is, it is, it is, it is uh, tasked with the administration of, 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 of the law. So without the judiciary, the law of the nation 
of a government cannot be upheld. So, even though God is king, even though God is father, it is his role as a judge that encompasses those fields. And you can look throughout the Bible, you will see how when Moses died, right? Moses really was the first uh, man before the era of the judges, right? After Moses was the era of the judges, then the kings and prophets. Because judgment, judgment is how the universe is governed. The universe, the Bible says the Lord is known by the judgments he gives. And the Bible says that God loves judgment. The Bible says the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. God's throne, the entire administration of his throne is founded on the principle of righteousness and justice. So as a king, he needs not only periodically but continually to, to sit as a judge. That is why Jesus died, rose again, and went up, and he became an intercessor. Because he needed to intercede for creation. He, he was, I said to you, that Satan is the chief prosecutor of the universe. Jesus is the chief uh, is the chief advocate of the universe so in, in in any law there there has to be balance right and there has to be fairness right there has to be fairness so irrespective of a man imagine you kill someone and then you go to court why must you go to court if you kill someone and you must still have a lawyer who defend you and you, you, you still have a right to a trial. Look at God, right? Did God not know that Cain killed Abel? Did God not know? Was God not aware that Abel had died at the hands of his brother? He was aware. Does God ask, the, is the first question that God asked Cain, why did you kill your brother? What's the first question? Which means God opens the door for Cain to defend himself. For Cain to give reasoning on his actions. Where is your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? Then why is the blood of your brother crying to me from the earth? What have you done? Behold, you shall be a vagabond on the earth. The earth shall not yield to you. He gives judgment. God gives judgment. Right? And then Cain says to God, Behold, the judgment you have given me is too severe for me to bear. Ah, then God, God shifts and he says, Behold, any man that touches Cain, he says seven times his curse shall come upon him. 
So in judging Cain, God still needed to be fair. Abel's blood was crying for justice. And when Cain, who did the act, also cried to God for justice, God gave him justice. Think about it, brother. That God can be fair even to the perpetrator. Even to the one who did the wrong, God can be fair. God, the Bible says God marked Cain. Why? Because he is a judge and as a judge, God must not take sides. That's why Jesus has to be an intercessor because God must not take sides. The Bible says God is not a respecter of persons. Now, well, he doesn't care who you are. If, if, if you transgress his law, he will judge you. That means who you are. Look at Moses. When Moses failed to represent God, what happened to him? The promise that was meant for him, God took it away from and at that time was not Moses the closest man to God because God is not a respecter of persons God does not care who you are as a judge he does not care as a judge he cares what evidence and representation is brought on your behalf so when he says man ought always to pray Jesus knows what he's talking about because Jesus Jesus has been there he knows what he's talking about. He, he, he has been. He is the judge of the universe. He is. He's Lord over the universe. So he knows. When he says man ought always to pray. He, he knows the seriousness of prayer. He says he must pray and not give up. Because he, he knows that in praying many will be tempted. He, they will be tempted. Remember, I said to you, if Satan cannot stop you from praying, the next best thing he will do is, is keep you as, 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 as short a time as possible in that place. Because if, if there's a case concerning you in any court and you are not there, the judge may postpone it once, and then the second time you don't attend. The rule.